Let us now read together what we confess. First of all, in the Belgian Confession, Article 14, the first part. And then we will turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 3. Article 14, you will find that on page 450 of your Book of Praise. creation and fall of man and his incapability of doing what is truly good. We believe that God created man of dust from the ground and he made and formed him after his own image and likeness, good, righteous, and holy. His will could conform to the will of God in every respect. But when man was in this high position, he did not appreciate it, nor did he value his excellency. He gave ear to the words of the devil and willfully subjected himself to sin and consequently to death and the curse. For he transgressed the commandment of life which he had received. By his sin he broke away from God who was his true life. He corrupted his whole nature. By all this he made himself liable to physical and spiritual death. Since man became wicked and perverse, Corrupt in all his ways, he has lost all his excellent gifts, which he had once received from God. He has nothing left but some small traces, which are sufficient to make man inexcusable. For whatever light is in us has changed into darkness, as scripture teaches us, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1 verse 5, where the apostle John calls mankind darkness. Now from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 3. Page 476. There we find God's word summarized as follows. Did God then create man so wicked and perverse... No, on the contrary, God created man good and in his image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might rightly know God as creator, heartily love him and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. From where, then, did man's depraved nature come? From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve in paradise. For there our nature became so corrupt that we, were, that we are all conceived and born in sin. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Yes, unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. After the sermon we will sing from Psalm 17, the stanzas 3 and 6. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, Lord's Day 3 touches on a lot of topics and important doctrines. In the first place, Lord's Day 3 is right in the middle of the section dealing with our sins and misery. That in itself is quite a heavy topic. But on top of that, there are many other topics it touches on. It deals with our creation, 
with the fall into sin, with original sin, with the corrupt nature of man, and with regeneration through the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of material. There is no way that we can do justice to all these topics in one sermon. Just take the fact of our creation. And those of you who read the Clarion will note that quite a bit of attention has been paid to that of late. That is because also within the Reformed circles there is controversy about this. There are different views about how we should interpret the first chapters of Genesis. There are different views about all the other topics as well. It's not my intention this morning to deal with all those topics and the various views. I want to dig a little bit deeper this morning and deal with the heart of the matter. I want to look at the reasons behind the different views. Why are there so many distorted views? That was not the case before the fall into sin. Adam and Eve did not need to be educated about the will of God, and therefore they did not need to be educated about any doctrines either. They they instinctively knew exactly what God wanted from them. They understood his promises and his demands, and it had to be that way, for that is the only way that he could also fulfill their task. For when God created them, he created them in his own image. That means that they had to reflect him perfectly. The catechism connects our image to true righteousness and holiness. So does the Belgian Confession. Righteousness has to do with the keeping of the law. Adam and Eve were truly righteous. That is to say, they kept the law of God perfectly. They knew exactly what God wanted. Holiness has to do with purity. Adam and Eve were pure in all their actions, in everything they did, and in everything they said. There was no flaw, for there was no flaw in God either, and they reflected God. But when they fell into sin, it became a different story. No longer were they God's image bearers. No longer did they know God's will. No longer were they in harmony with each other. They were in conflict with God and with each other. They did not know the truth anymore. And so they went wrong in doctrine and in life. The only way that things can be right again if we once again reflect God's image perfectly. How does that come about? That's what I want to preach to you about this morning. I will preach to you about man as God's image. We will see three things. First of all, that we have distorted God's image. Secondly, that we have shattered God's image. And finally, that we are recreated in God's image. Suppose there is something in your life that really bothers you. It's been gnawing at you for quite some time. You feel bad. You can't escape the rotten feeling in the pit of your stomach. It is with you most of the time. You don't quite know what to do about it. Something happened that you wish had never happened. You wish you could undo it. You have created a certain public image of yourself 
that communicates to others that by and large you are a good person who doesn't do bad things. But inwardly you cringe. People don't have the right picture of you. And you know that about yourself. Your conscience accuses you. Now, first of all, it is a good thing that your conscience bothers you. For our consciences, having been shaped by what we know about God's will, accuse us when we have done something wrong. Our consciences remind us of the standard that God has set in his word, because we have been brought up with God's word. But that knowledge only exacerbates the problem. In other words, it makes it worse. It compounds it. Lord's Day 3 is one of those Lord's Days that's not very popular. It deals with our sin. That makes us uncomfortable. That's not what we come to church for. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We would rather be done away with this as quickly as possible and perhaps if we can skip it altogether. But is that realistic? Let's go back to that thing in your life that really bothers you. We all do stupid things at times. For example, making a fool of yourself in front of others by losing your temper. Yelling at a loved one because you are angry. Or you clicked on to pornographic sites on your computer and your wife or one of your kids caught you. Or you get a failing mark in school and you know that that happened because you did not study or you stole something from a store, or you drank too much, and you lost your inhibitions and became sexually promiscuous. You cheated on an exam. And so I can give many more examples. Do any of these things sound familiar to you? No doubt you can identify with one or two of these things. We have all done things in our lives that we are far from proud of. We try to forget it and resolve not to do it again, but we are still bothered by what we did. We just can't shake that rotten feeling. How do we make it right? Now, it's a good thing that whatever you did wrong still bothers you. You should not have a conscience that's nailed shut, a conscience that's no longer working. But how do you pacify your conscience? Well, you come clean. You admit your guilt. You admit your guilt. But that's where the real difficulty comes in. First of all, from ourselves. We have a hard time giving all the gory details of what we have done wrong. If we have been caught watching pornography, we will minimize it. Oh, it only happened once. Or when we stole something from a store, we will say, well, we did it together with a friend, and the friend led me astray, etc. We have a hard time owning up to our sins to the full extent. However, if you don't come clean, then you are still going to be walking around with feelings of guilt. If you don't get to the nitty-gritty, you still feel like a fraud. That's the first problem. The second problem is the way our confession of sin is dealt with by another. Suppose you tell somebody what you have done wrong, and as you start giving the details, they interrupt you and say, uh, 
Don't give me any more details. You should lighten up a little bit. Don't take things so seriously. After all, you're a sinful person, aren't you? Just like the rest of us. You couldn't really help it, could you? Well, sometimes it may be necessary for somebody to try to appease you. There are some people who beat up on themselves a lot. They have admitted their sin and they just can't let it go. They somehow feel that they need to be punished further. I'm not talking about such a scenario. Such people need to get on with their life. If they are truly, truly sorry for their sins, then the Lord God will forgive them. Be done with it. But I'm talking about people who really are deeply concerned about something that they have done and they need to get it off their chest. But they don't get the chance. They want to confess their sin and indiscretion, but they are quickly interrupted and dismissed. Don't worry about that. I'm sure you didn't mean it. It's not really your fault. After all, what's done is done. You wouldn't feel being taken seriously then, would you? First of all, perhaps at first you allow yourself to be deceived like that and are somewhat relieved, but soon your discomfort is back again. The matter hasn't really been settled. The only way that you can get relief from your discomfort is if someone takes your sin seriously. They dig a little further, knowing that it is man's nature to minimize our sins. They ask questions. Why did you do that? What exactly did you do? How often? Those are uncomfortable questions. They're designed to expose the true nature of what you have done wrong and where you have gone wrong. And then, only once the true nature of your sin has been exposed and confessed, only then can you feel at peace again. It may take a while. We still feel rotten about what we did, but you know that you have come clean. Well, you see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's what this Lord's Day does. It digs deep into our sins. It doesn't just skip over them. We have done something seriously wrong. We have gone totally into the wrong direction. Because of our sin, we are no longer image bearers. And we are told exactly why. Our image as righteous and holy children of God has been totally lost. And we had better realize it. And God gives us the room to admit those sins. He listens. And yet, it is our nature still to try to project a certain image that is more holy and more pure than it really is. We try to present ourselves as if we have lost very little of the image of God. When we are in public, we show the best side of us. We try to present ourselves as having it all together. That's not necessarily a bad thing, as long as we don't do it in order to deceive others as to who we truly are. As long as we are humble and somehow telegraph to others that we are just as sinful as anybody else. That we are not any better than another person. 
as long as we don't try to make people think that we are somehow holier than others, as long as we don't distort our image further than it has already been distorted. Because your conscience, shaped by the word of God, will not allow you to do that. Things will keep bothering you if you don't deal with your sins properly. You have to somehow present yourself as you truly are. A sinner. That doesn't mean that you have to tell everybody the gory details of all your sins. Not at all. But it does mean that you have properly dealt with your sins. And that therefore you are no longer ashamed. Because you have confessed them to God and to others affected by your sins. It means that you are not passing yourself off as somebody you are not. You will not get away with it. In that connection, think about a painting. A master painter has created the most beautiful painting. Everything to the finest details has been finished to perfection. All the colors are just right, and so are the details. But now somebody comes along and steals that painting. And he tries to pass it off as his own. But he knows that everybody that sees that painting will realize who the true painter is. And so what does he do? Well, he changes certain details. He's smart enough not to block everything out, but he changes it enough so that he can pass it off as his own. He too wants to be famous. What do you think? Will the art critics be fooled? Not very likely. When they examine the painting carefully, they will realize that it is a fraud. The thief has only distorted the painting. That's what we tend to be like. We pass ourselves off as people who have certain abilities of our own, as if we can create our own beauty, our own purity. And that's the way it's been from Adam and Eve on down. We pass ourselves off as competent and capable individuals, as pure and holy and righteous, but that's not true. We are incapable of anything of our own. You and I, we have messed up. And we had better be willing to admit it. For the problem is we have not only distorted ourselves as God's image, we have totally shattered it. We come to the second point. The only thing we can do at our own strength is to make things worse. The Belgic Confession says it well. It says about man that he has lost all his excellent gifts which he had once received from God. As it says in Romans 8 verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death. Do you know what that means? That means that without God, we have no worth of our own. When you are dead, you are incapable of anything. So is your mind. You cannot lift a finger. You cannot think. Osher, as the Belgian Confession also says, there are some small traces of the image that we once had before the fall into sin. It quotes from Romans. But those traces are sufficient only to make us inexcusable before God. That's also what Paul says. It only means that we have the knowledge to know what is right, but that we do not have the ability to do right. But we pretend that we can. We try to 
cover up our incompetence. That's what Adam and Eve did. They wanted to maintain their own integrity by blame shifting. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. I didn't really do it. The devil made me do it. It's not really my fault. On my own, I'm okay. I'm an upright person. I'm a person of integrity. I haven't really done anything wrong. That's also our nature. We inherited it from Adam and Eve. We try to pretend that we are better than we really are. We try to cover up. Our biggest problem is not that we have sinned, but the fact that we do not really want to admit it. We find all kinds of twists and turns to get us out of our predicament. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29. This only have I found. God made man upright. But men have gone in search of many schemes. Recently I saw a documentary about an airplane crash. Investigators found that an airplane disintegrated mid-air because phony parts were used. The airplane's tail came off mid-flight and the plane broke apart. They found that bolts had been used that were not authorized by the manufacturer. The supplier of the bolts to the aircraft company had bought cheap parts from a phony company that made bogus part and that looked like the real thing. But they were much cheaper. And that is because the parts that he sold to the suppliers were not manufactured in accordance with the specification of the aircraft manufacturer. They looked like the real thing, but they weren't. They were vastly inferior products. They took shortcuts in the manufacturing process. As the investigators dug deeper, they found that many suppliers bought such inferior parts on a regular basis. They sold the phony parts as if they were the real thing. And in this way, they made a lot of money. But the result was devastating. An airplane crashed with hundreds of passengers aboard. Many lives were lost. Lives were lost because parts were used of manufacturers that used shortcuts in their production. Brothers and sisters, that's what we are like. We also want to take shortcuts. We want to skip over our own flaws and our own sinfulness as quickly as possible. But if you do that, then you can never become the real thing. If you do that, then you are a phony. And then you cannot become once again a true image bearer of God. For you see, that's what it is all about. We have to reflect God perfectly. We come to the third point. We have to be recreated in the image of God. And the only way that it is possible is for us to go to the manufacturer, that is to the Lord God himself. He is the only one who is able to manufacture the real thing. He does not need you or me for that. Indeed, he does not want us to be involved in that at all, for we are incapable. We are dead in ourselves. And unless you see how sinful you truly are, your faith isn't anything like it should be. Let me ask you, 
Are you having trouble functioning in your life? Are there certain things gnawing away at you? Does your conscience bother you? Well, take a good and hard look at yourself. Could this be because you are not honest about your own sinfulness? Could it be that you want the easy way out, that you want to take a shortcut? Could it be that you have not truly confessed your own sin? You quickly skipped over it. Could it be that you are somewhat arrogant? It is only when we die to sin that we can be made truly alive in God. The Lord God wants us to realize the depth of our depravity. That's why he digs a little bit deeper. It's the only way that we can become the real thing again. It's the only way that we can become image bearers again. For the Lord God only accepts contrite and humble hearts. He only accepts those who acknowledge that apart from God they have no value. Apart from God they have no worth. That apart from God they are nothing but phonies. Look at the way it is with unbelievers. With the way it is with the people of the world. They think that they are something. They think that through their own accomplishments, they can reach a higher level of existence. That's what the philosophy of existentialism is all about. Nietzsche spoke about the Übermensch, the supreme being. And Darwin taught that mankind will evolve slowly but surely to perfection. It's impossible. If that's what you think, then you are but a poor imitation of the real thing. You're a phony. You're dead. For outside of God, such a man will never come into existence. On the contrary, man who dares to stand apart from God is weak. In reality, he is dead. The only way that you can be the real thing is through the Holy Spirit of God. And that is why the Heidelberg Catechism says that we are totally incapable to do any good and inclined to all evil. Unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. We have to go back to the very beginning. To Genesis 1 verse 2 where it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God's creation was about to begin. That's why the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit gives life. That's the same way it is for you and for me. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to recreate you and me. And that's only possible if you are first formless and empty. You have to rid yourself of all pretense and phoniness. You have to admit your sins. You have to admit them to yourself. You have to admit them to God. You have to empty yourself of your own perceived self-sufficiency. And of your own opinions. And let the Holy Spirit fill you. Only then God's work of recreation can begin. And only then can you have the right way of thinking, the right doctrine. For you have to put your own opinions and your own thinking aside. 
and let the Holy Spirit teach you. It's only through the Holy Spirit that you can be the real thing. It is only through the Holy Spirit that you can be a true image bearer of God. And the only Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God has to do his work time and again. It is a daily process, brothers and sisters. Time and again we are lured into phoniness. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, be real. Let the Holy Spirit shape you and recreate you. Be whole again. Get rid of all pretense. Understand your total depravity. And let the Holy Spirit work in you. Let the Holy Spirit burn away all that is phony. Only then can you be a true image bearer of God. Amen.